Hello again and welcome to another episode of Pushing 60 Aside. This will be a short cast. And what is a short cast as opposed to just a regular podcast? That means I'm not going to ramble on for 45 minutes talking about a lot of things that you already know a lot about. If you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. This is the Pushing 60 Aside podcast, a podcast that was started because when I was about 57, 58, 59, I got to wondering, what am I going to do when I turn 60? Because to me, 60 was always the beginning of getting old. Well, that was uh, seven years ago. And it took a couple of years to, you know, work out the details and for me to get ready and in a position to do a podcast. You know, and when you're doing that, when you're going through that phase of developing an idea, you know, you have to consider what is it that you have to say or want to say that is so important or so interesting that maybe people would tune in and listen to you. Well, folks, the theme has always been pushing 60 aside. In other words, how am I going to be the healthiest version of myself once I get to 60? What am I going to do when I get to age 60? Am I going to continue exercising? Am I going to slack off and go into retirement doing less and less physical stuff? Am I going to be less concerned about my heart health, about my stamina, about my strength, my range of motion, my mobility, about the diseases of aging? And, uh, you know, just what am I going to do? Well, now I'm 64. So apparently I did an okay job. Uh, I'm not going to say I did a super job, but I did an okay job of getting to 60, pushing 60 aside, and now my focus has changed uh, to the upcoming years. In fact, there's been talk about changing the name of this podcast to Pushing 70 Aside because now it's only about Oh, five and a half years away. Do I feel old for my age? That's a good question. And that's a good question we could all ask each of ourselves. Do I feel good for my age? Because really, none of us know how we're supposed to feel five years from now. We've seen other people that got to five years older than we are, and we see the things they've gone through and the health issues they've had. We've seen how they embrace retirement, or if they choose to not retire. But, uh, you know, it's a good question to ask yourself, do I feel good for my age today? Uh, it stands to reason that I may not feel as strong or agile or alert as I did 20 years ago or 15 years ago. But what if you got the formula right for eating healthy stuff and getting regular exercise and following doctor's orders and getting regular essential health checks like, uh, oh, I don't know, perhaps having your prostate checked or getting a colonoscopy done, getting an EKG done, you know, things like that that are really routine in preventive uh, health care. Preventive health care is the things that we do before a problem, a potential problem, gets really 
really serious. Um, you know, the one point I've never liked in my experience with my general practitioner is when we've been working through an issue, whatever that issue was. For me, uh, chronic back pain. That's, that's that, that was the thing that was a stumbling block in my life for, oh, I don't know, gee, probably 40 years, you know, from the time I was 20 till the time I was 60. Uh, you know, with good years and bad years and surgeries and things like that. Another thing my general practitioner and I talked about was migraine headaches. I had them from my 30s to my early 50s. And, you know, those are really, really day busters. And uh, so what else may I've talked to doctors about? Uh, how about my vision? And yes, at this point, I've seen a cardiologist and I've seen a hearing specialist. Uh, why? Preventive care. You know, because we can walk around with a significant hearing loss for quite a while and the only person that's fully aware of it is the people who are trying to talk to us. We just turn the television up a little bit louder and, you know, and so, and there are things that an eye doctor uh, can look at on an eye exam and see that may present a problem for me and can be treated early before they become serious. Well, um, what are the dreaded words that I have hated to hear from my general practitioner. And fortunately, I've had some really great ones over the years. Um, I hate to hear the words, I'm going to need to refer you to a specialist. You know, whether it's an orthopedic surgeon or a cardiologist or any other specialty doctor. It could have been, been a, a nephrologist if my kidneys were going bad. It could have been an endocrinologist. A lot of ologists are out there. Most of the time, fortunately, it was just a radiologist or, you know, uh, some, somebody like that. But those are words we hate to hear. But if those needs are in our bodies or in our eyes or in our ears, uh, in our joints, um, it's better to hear them earlier and begin a treatment protocol earlier so that they don't become really, really serious problems, uh, you know, two, three, five years down the road. The perhaps best referral that I ever got from a, a general practitioner was to a neurologist because I was that guy that had had chronic back pain and you know, for so many years, in fact, the first time I missed a day of school due to back pain was when I was in the third grade. Now, what 10-year-old has back problems? <laughs> well, apparently I did. And um, so when my more recent uh, general practitioner referred me to a neurologist, I, I went to see a guy that really, really understood the functioning of the spine and how to treat issues of nerve impingement and, and chronic muscle spasms and things like that. And um, over the course of about two years, we narrowed it down, isolated it, and uh, treated it and um, through physical therapy, through some medication treatments, and through some surgical procedures that were relatively minor, considering some of the others I'd had, 
uh, we got to a place where my pain became much, much more manageable. In other words, I wasn't losing sleep and I wasn't losing the ability to do ordinary daily tasks because I was, as they say, down in my back. So today, uh, and I've debated this topic, I've been tossing it around in my head since the last podcast. Um, the, today, the topic I really wanted to use, or, and I probably will use this as the title of this, uh, of this uh, podcast, the title will be Tick Tock. Tick Tock. Tick Tock. And, and there's for a, a good reason that I have muddled this over in my mind because it's been in my experience as a senior fitness specialist uh, training about 45 people a week in classes, two classes a day, um, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays here in, here in my hometown of Fort Payne, Alabama. Um, you know, the, the thing that I see among people over 60, and all the people I train except for a very select few are over 60. Many are 70. Several are over 80, and uh, two are over 90. So I'm getting to see the different phases of aging after 60. And, um, you know, and it probably could be said that when I was 50, I felt worse than most 70-year-olds, okay? Good doctoring, good faith, good wife, good medicine, good treatment, good surgeries, persistence, following the, the, the instructions of my doctors to a T, and I got much, much better, much healthier, much stronger, much faster. Uh, my balance improved greatly. So, you know, the clock was ticking on me because at one time in my early 50s, I was on so much medication and I was so sick and I was so depressed. And I, I, I was so inactive because I couldn't physically be active that the clock was ticking on me. Now you get where I'm going with tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. There's, there's some logic to this because if I had continued to stay idle and not change my lifestyle in my early 50s, there would be no Pushing 60 Aside podcast today with me as the host. Maybe some other guy would have created such a podcast with the same title. And uh, the show's not about the podcast, but it's about time getting away from us. Many of the people that I encounter um, in, in this training program that I do um, don't have what many people have in the way of health insurance. Some of them are at the mercy of Medicaid, some of them are using Medicare, and some of them have virtually no health plan whatsoever. Uh, they're what you would call perhaps um, indigent. In other words, they don't have sufficient income but to barely get by. And some of those folks live with other people or other family members. Um, but the one thing they have realized is that staying physically fit 
as best they can, given their conditions and given their ages, is really a good idea because the clock is still ticking. And with time, persistent, chronic problems in the human body don't get better without treatment. So you have to have access to a general practitioner. You have to sometimes have access to the specialist. And you have to have the money or the insurance with which to get essential medications to treat whatever condition you have. Um, so the clock is ticking on all of us, whether you're 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. The goal is to continue living uh, as well as you can for as long as you can, to maintain your independence for as long as you can, to enjoy the fruits of your labors, all those years that you were raising kids and going or, or going to college, raising kids, doing your job, being a dad, being a mom, being a grandparent, um, you know, counting on getting to a point of drawing Social Security or your regular retirement. You know, you work so doggone hard because uh, life is not an easy street for, for many of us. Sure, there are a few of us who fell into massive inheritance. I'm not one of them, but some did. But the rest of us, we had to grind for so many years. I mean, for some of us, just graduating high school was hard. And then the decisions beyond high school, whether we went and got a job or we joined the military or we went to college and then went on to our careers, whatever it is that we did, we worked a long time to get to 60 and be too sick to enjoy the fruits of our labors. In other words, our beginnings of our golden years, the what, what are supposed to be your reward years, we don't want to get to that spot and be too frail, too sick, in too much pain, or so ravaged by disease that, you know, we worked all those years and we get nothing back. Imagine a fellow who works in industry. And I say fellow, it could be a lady just as well. But let's imagine a person that works in industry. Maybe it's paper making. Um, maybe it's in a, a, a manufacturing of electronics firm or company. And they work there for 40 years. They work from the time they're 20 till the time they're 60. And that person hasn't taken very good care of themselves. Maybe they had some of the classical addictions like nicotine or alcohol, or, or maybe they just had a very poor diet that, uh, that wasn't nutritious, so their body suffered nutritionally. Um, maybe they worked in a sedentary job at one of these companies where they barely stood at all, they barely walked at all, they barely lifted anything at all. And so they get to the point where they're now retirement age and this hardworking person who supported himself, uh, supported the family and did everything they were supposed to do. But now that they're of retirement age, and let's say that's 62 to 65 or 66 years. They get to that age 
and they're ravaged by heart disease and already have uh, hardening of the arteries and, um, you know, and who knows what else. They could have gastroesophageal reflux disease. They could have diabetes, any of these other things. But those diseases we came to know in the pandemic as comorbidities. In other words, diseases that lead to an earlier death. So this guy retires. Let's just go ahead and say age 64. And he's been sick for a few years. He's been taking medicines and and treating various ailments and um, conditions. And, um, and then on his 65th birthday, um, it's time to, for him to be in full-blown retirement. He has a heart attack and dies. At that point, for him personally, it doesn't matter that he just became eligible to draw out of the Social Security plan here in the United States that he and his employer have paid into for all those 40 years he worked his job. The money was going in like clockwork every month, you know, right into the pile, right into the pile. And he, in good faith, believed that when he got to retirement, he'd be able to tap into that to help him enjoy his retirement. He may never draw a single cent from Social Security if he dies at the time that he's becoming eligible that, to me, is a tragedy. What could he have done, tick-tock, tick-tock, when he was 50, tick-tock, tick-tock? What could he have done when he was 55, tick-tock, tick-tock? The clock kept on ticking, ticking, ticking. And during those years, I'm sure his spouse probably warned him, uh, you know, you need to see a doctor about this. His doctor said, you need to stop doing that. You need to stop doing this. You need to start eating like this. You need to start exercising like that. But the clock kept on ticking. He did none of the above. And then he gets to the point where he sees nothing but medical specialist. We could call that person a cardiologist. We could call that person a pulmonologist. Um, we could call that person a nephrologist. Um, any, uh, any of those specialists, um, he could be seeing for diseases that are now killing him. Tick-tock. It's too late. The diseases are too advanced and there's too much damage done. The heart is in such a weakened, deconditioned state. The kidneys aren't functioning. Diabetes is running over him like a train. Uh, he's losing his vision, perhaps. He's losing his mental agility because it got to the point where it was too late to change enough. That's the key here. He got to the point where it was too late to start taking really good care of himself. Tick-tock. Tick-tock. I see people these days who wait too late. Um, some come to my exercise classes and they are so frail and their bodies have been so ravaged by diseases. I'm glad they come. I, I don't know 
how much we can do to help them, but it's still better than sitting at home seven days a week. Uh, it's still better than having no social experience by being in a group exercise environment. It's still better than getting no brain stimulation at all uh, and, and no muscle or range of motion exercise that helps them, perhaps. The trouble is that of the, I'm, I'm going to say, well over 100, maybe 150 people that have come through my classes in the last uh, four years, um, probably, probably about 50 or 60 are even semi-regular. In other words, they come once this week, once next week, miss two weeks, uh, come three times a week for a couple of weeks, and then they fade off again. But tonight, the clock is still ticking on me. The clock is still ticking on you. Time is still passing. You know, some conditions could be getting worse. Some may be beyond help, except through surgery or severe medications. And, or, or I shouldn't say severe medications, but extreme uh, medical intervention. Um, so... They get to that point where, you know, they're hanging on by a thread. Would I refuse that person to be in my class? Certainly not. Hope is important. Trying is important. Learning is important. Working muscles is important. Uh, regaining your balance is important. So even if a person has some of the advances in uh, aging that are troubling them. Exercise isn't the answer to everything, but a combination of good doctors, good medications, good exercise, and good diet, and one more thing, good sleep is a standard formula for better health, even if you are sick. Now, when I talk about the diseases of aging, um, they're, they're the predictable, predictable ones. Uh, yes, diabetes is a uh, condition that generally comes with aging, especially for the very elderly. Um, the trouble with us in the United States here, we're seeing more, pe more people become type 2 diabetics in their 30s and 40s, whereas it used to be that didn't happen until the 50s or 60s. So people are becoming diabetic earlier, and uh, they're nowhere near retirement. So, you know, my goal, my hope, my dream, my desire is for people with whatever conditions they have really have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with their doctor about the place for physical exercise and the type of specific diet they need to be on. I'm not talking about weight loss here. I'm talking about managing blood sugar, and I'm talking about uh, managing weight. In other words, you're not continuing to get larger and larger. I'm talking about diet that helps manage your energy level, 
a diet that helps feed your muscles and other protein-based tissues in your body. That's tendons, that's eyelids, that's eyeballs, that's muscles. It's everything about you, including your hair, uh, that needs sufficient protein in the diet. So I have found that uh, with my folks that have diseases of aging. I'm, I'm just going to talk about one here for a second. I have a few gentlemen in my classes who for all intents and purposes are deaf. Now they may be rated at a 70% hearing loss and they may have hearing aids, but they generally don't wear the hearing aids or they don't turn them up loud enough to hear because they don't like some of the side effects they get, uh, the squeaks and squawks. I'm sure you've heard that before. Um, but you know what? Those guys, they follow exercise by sight just fine. And so I encourage them to keep coming back, keep exercising, because it's one thing to have lost your hearing. It's another thing when you lose your balance. It's another thing when you fall and bust a shoulder or an elbow or a knee or a hip or your skull for crying out loud. Um, what are some of the dramatic cases I've seen? I'm not at liberty to talk about them um, you know, in much great depth. But there's a fellow who's attending one of my classes who just two years ago had to have a tumor removed from behind his eye. He's still exercising. Didn't lose his vision, thank goodness. And then about a few months ago, I'm going to say three months ago, he had to have open arch surgery because of uh, an enlarged aorta. This is complicated surgery. But guess what? After he healed up enough, he's back at exercise. I liken this into having the light bulb moment when it hits you that life is tough. It only gets tougher when you're weak. And I need to do something to help me stay strong, help me stay balanced, help me able be able to reach up and grab things and do chores at home and play with my grandkids or fish or play golf or hunt or whatever it is that you enjoy doing. Um, you know, it, it doesn't really matter what it is that you enjoy doing or have to do in the name of home maintenance or yard maintenance or working on your automobile or whatever it is you have to do. When that light bulb comes on and says, if, if I want to continue being able to do and meet the demands that life puts on me, I've got to get really serious, really serious, and now about taking better care of me. I got away with what I was doing for a long time, and fortunately it didn't kill me, but it got real when they peeled back my scalp and did surgery behind my eye to remove a tumor. It got serious when they told me I had congestive heart failure. Now I'm talking about me. Um, it got serious when the pain was too great for me to get out of my recliner for a few years when I was in my early 50s. 
and the clock kept right on ticking tick tock tick tock so why because I can best speak about my own experience so why did I not give up oh trust me I wanted to give up many times I even prayed about that I'd say dear God if you can hear me please lift me out of this life in my sleep let my discomfort my pain my suffering my frustration my depression let this end it was the plea of a desperate man but I will reiterate a good wife a good doctor a good specialist good medication good surgery a good attitude on my part and the willingness to fight the clock and to fight the diagnoses and to push myself harder than I even felt like I could. And I'm still here. And I went from chronically sick guy to healthy guy to fitness instructor in a period of about 12 years total. And um, so to you, my friend, whether you're 60, 65, 70, or you're a young person listening to this podcast because I know you make up a large portion of my listening audience, and I'm thankful for you, I hope you're hearing some of the details about what it's like to get old and and go through um, 40 years plus work and retire and hope that these are going to be the real party days of your life where you vacation and travel and visit and goof off and and play whatever you enjoy, uh, tennis, golf, uh, uh, fishing, hunting, uh, you know, whatever it is that you enjoy. Maybe you enjoy woodworking or whatever, but to get to this stage of life where you've put 60 aside you don't want to be sick when you get here. You, you don't want to have comorbidities when you get here. You want to start thinking about the aging process much earlier. You know, this is not the, we're not in the line to die. We're in the line to live as best we can. Why? I, like so many others, and I talk to my fitness clients about this all the time, I am not in a hurry to get to that place in life where I require assisted living or a nursing home environment. I don't want to be in a position where I don't have full say over my life, where I live, what I eat, when I go to bed, when I get up, um, you know, um, what medicines I take. I don't want that decision-making taking taken out of my hands and placed in the hands of a care provider. I don't want my car keys to be taken away from me and and never to be able to drive again. I don't want to have to share an assisted living room with somebody I've never known. Uh, granted, there will come a time in my life where age is going to overtake me and uh, you know, maybe I won't be as sharp in my mind as I once was. Maybe um, 
Maybe I've gotten injured somehow through a fall uh, or some other, maybe an automobile accident or whatever. But the decisions for me to continue living in my house with my wife and my little dogs, somebody says, no, Dad, no, Mr. Fleming, you have to, you have to go live at this facility over here where people you've never previously known are going to take care of you. They're going to feed you. They're going to make sure you take a bath. They're going to tell you when to go to bed. They're going to tell you when to get up. And, um, you know, this old guy doesn't want any part of that. I, 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 when it comes, I think I will know it's time. But I sure don't want to get there any faster. Tick-tock. Tick-tock. I'm about to turn 65 in six months or so. And, uh, and so I'm not thinking about my 65th birthday now. I'm thinking about my 75th birthday you know, almost 11 years away. I'm thinking about getting to that birthday and being able to still maintain my home, enjoy my life, feel good enough to go on vacations or any other kind of trip. I'd like to still be teaching fitness at age 75. That may not be realistic. I, I don't know. We're just going to have to get to 75 and find out. I'll know. <laughs> I'll know when I no longer have the oomph to uh, instruct aerobics or weightlifting. And uh, I hope that at that point I'll be able to bow out gracefully from teaching physical fitness and, and then continue doing the things I love to do. Tick-tock. Tick-tock. The one thing that I don't want to happen is I don't want to speed up the clock. I don't want to find myself in a state where my body is in poor condition because I didn't do what I could do. That, that I ate foods that were just high salt, high fat, high sugar, things that tore apart and inflamed my body. I don't want to do those things. So while this clock is ticking, I don't want it to go faster. I'm looking at age 75. Right now, that's, that's, that's far enough out that I can, I can look at the next 10, 11 years and figure out how I'm going to work my way to my 70th birthday and then to my 75th. And if I'm still here at 75... I may not be doing a podcast anymore. Uh, I may be doing a better podcast. <laughs> Who knows what the future brings? I know that if I don't take care of myself, and if you don't take good care of yourself, and if you don't eat the right foods and get enough exercise and stimulate your mind and get enough sleep, the clock starts to speed up. Tick-tock, 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 tick-tock. Maybe this TikTok thing sounds stupid to you. Maybe it sounds foolish. Does it make any difference? The clock keeps right on ticking. The goal is to get to our truly, truly, truly golden years and enjoy them as a reward, as a payment for all the years we labored so hard to secure our futures. What happens in our golden years? We visit with our families. 
We visit with our adult children. We visit with our grandchildren. We visit with our great-grandchildren. We go to class reunions. We take cruises. We travel internationally if we can. And and we sightsee things we've always wanted to see because now we have the time to do it. Tick-tock, tick-tock. Tonight, I hope I gave you some food for thought. Um, perhaps some of this sounded a little bit on the negative side, but you know, the one thing I've learned in talking uh, to senior folks about is they're not afraid to talk about sickness. <laughs> they're not afraid to talk about the fear of dying. But these days, some of the ones I'm working with, they're focusing on what they can do, not just in the survival mode, but to get stronger, healthier, and, uh, and really secure better days ahead. Until next time, thank you for listening. Thanks to that one listener in the Netherlands, our Australian listeners, God bless you. To our UK listeners, bless you. To our Canadian listeners, Thank you so much, and for those of you here in the United States, thank you for your continued support of this podcast. All you have to do to support this podcast is just listen, and uh, and I'll be honest with you, if you're not interested, if you turn me off, I'll never know. Until next podcast, may the good Lord bless you.